G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day everyone, welcome to Footyology TV, live from the studios of Southern FM in Brighton. How are you, Finey? Yeah, I'm well. What a round of football, and it ended literally with a bang. It did, it did. Uh, we're going to discuss all that. An incredible round, five games decided by a total of 15 points. Uh, but perhaps in news terms, all of the dramatic goings on a Saturday superseded quite incredibly by one incident in the uh, WA Derby. And uh, if you're not up, up to speed on this, uh, I'm sure you will be hearing a lot about it over the next couple of days. Andrew Gaff, um, arguably West Coast's most important player, an off-the-ball incident, basically a roundhouse right, I think, to the jaw of Fremantle's Andrew Brayshaw. Brayshaw taken off the field. At this stage, we don't know the extent of his injuries, but it didn't look good. Bloodied mouth, loose teeth. Suspected broken jaw. Suspected broken jaw. And um, basically, I think uh, Andrew Gaff may not be playing again this season. So out of character for Andrew Gaff. It's Can't just, believe it. You know, it, but then again, he's a player who is tagged and uh, run with players. You know, I'm not saying, I'm not justifying what he did, but, you know, they break and they shrug tags and I guess it's been compared to uh, the Thomas Bug incident. So weeks wise, um, he'll be lucky to get change out of six weeks I would have thought. Yeah well without going into the particular, Bug did have a bit of a, a track record. I don't know if that came into that suspension but he did get six weeks. We've had a look at that incident again. That was a strike on Sydney's Callum Mills late last season. It was a shocker but they do look like pretty comparable incidents I've got to say. Um, enormous ramifications for the Eagles. Can they win a flag without him? Well, it sort of gets back to the same thing you are asking after Nat Nui got injured, wasn't it? I think the cumulative loss of those two is starting to make me have my doubts. And I've been a big believer in West Coast. I actually, I think we've both felt they're probably Richmond's biggest challenges for the flag. Yeah. But if there's no Nat Nui and no Gaff, well, that, does he... Mid- Ken- Kennedy is now a... We're struggling to see him before the finals, mm. and Schofield did his hamstring today. Yeah, so all going wrong at the, uh, yeah, the wrong tri- end of the season. Um, yeah, so it'll be sent straight to the tribunal, obviously. Minimum, absolute minimum of three. Uh, some people might think maybe, you know, if you, a guilty plea, maybe you could get down to four. But six, um, that's the season, isn't it? Unless they were to finish top two, lose a qualifying final win semi, win the preliminary yeah, and get right. back to the grand final. And, um, of course, he'd come straight back into the side. But uh, it's an absolute disaster for him. You can't really... I know people tend to hype these things up a bit, but it's a bit hard to overstate how cataclysmic oh. that could be. Yeah, on the back of that, Nui, yeah, as you said, they're two major stars are out of commission and for very different reasons. Um, cue the corny headlines, of course, a gaff. Yeah. It was more than a gaffe. It was uh, maybe you should change his surname to a complete brain fade. Absolutely. Um, I should uh, very rem- remiss of me not to mention at the outset too. We want your input on this show. That's 
half the reason we do it. It's not the whole reason, but we do love having your input. So get on the Facebook page, send through your questions, comments, uh, jibes, you name it, we'll answer it, you know, as long as it's not too abusive, but we're both used to that as well. So fire away and we'll respond to as much as we possibly can. Um, I think we should talk about the ladder finding because after that amazing weekend of footy, it is in an incredible state of flux. Uh, to wit, GWS, just as, as an example, I think uh, they might have started today in about seventh spot. They're up to third with that massive win over Carlton. I'll run through it quickly. Um, we don't have the graphic, unfortunately, to go with it, but picture this. Richmond on top, 60 points, 135.7. West Coast second, 56 points, 124.1. A six-point gap now to the Eagles and GWS in third. So the Eagles will finish second and get a home final. I reckon you could back that in. GWS, third spot, 50 points, 120.8. I guess, and we should mention that percentage are relevant for them because of the draw. So they keep, they want to win well, but, um, yeah, they'll set themselves apart with the draw. Yeah, we can talk about their draw later. Um, Melbourne, then we've got a cluster of five teams on 48 points. Melbourne, 132.8. Hawthorne, 121.4. Collingwood, 117.1. Port Adelaide, 114.9. Sydney, 109.6. Outside the eight, Geelong, 44 points, 118.8. North Melbourne, 44 points, 110.1. And then the... uh, Still technically a chance, but we both we all know they're not going to make it. Essendon, 40 points, 102.3. Adelaide, 40 points, 98.6. How, how have, you, have you done your ladder predictor and tried to sort them out? Uh, look, it's, no, I haven't, because I think it's an exercise in folly, actually. Well, look, it's easy to say that certain teams have a more favourable run home, and they do, but here's a little bit of proof that it might be the less obvious games that will come back to haunt teams. Mm-hmm. Bar Collingwood, who I don't think have really lost a game that they would say absolutely they should have won. Yeah. Geelong will rue the round 15 loss to the Bulldogs by two points. Yep. Essendon losing to Carlton. I mean, it's it's all encapsulated there, isn't it? Yeah. GWS drawing with St Kilda. Yep. Uh, Hawthorne, two losses to Brisbane, but the one in Tasmania beyond the pale. Yep. Melbourne losing to St Kilda. Yep. Uh, North Melbourne losing to the Suns in round one. Yes. Uh, Port Adelaide losing to Fremantle. Yep. And, of course, the daddy of them all, Swans losing to Gold Coast Mm. in round 18. And West Coast, that home loss to Essendon, I think, um, probably won't end up haunting them with a ladder position because they will get top two, but they'll be haunted by something else come season's end. Yeah, well, the run home um, for several of those sides on 48 points is problematic, to say the least. So Melbourne have got... Uh, I'll run, look, I have done a ladder predictor. Yep. I'll run through it quickly. I've got Richmond, West Coast, one and two. I've actually got... This may be optimistic. I've got Collingwood finishing third. People have said to me, how? Well, I think they'll beat Brisbane this week at home. I think they'll beat Port at the MCG, and I rate Port. Uh, and I think they'll beat Fremantle in Perth away because Fremantle will have nothing left to play for. Injuries obviously becoming the big butt about the pies. But on that basis, I've got them finishing third. I've got GWS finishing fourth. I've got Melbourne finishing fifth, um, winning two of their last three. Tough run, the Demons. Sydney, West Coast away, 
and then GWS. I've got them winning Sydney and GWS on the MCG. So Sydney at the MCG? Yeah, correct. Okay. Hawthorne, I've got finishing sixth. They have Geelong this week, St Kilda at Etihad, Sydney away in the last round, which I've got them losing. Mm -hmm. I've got them beating the Cats. Now, if you're looking for one game, uh, there are several crucial games, but I'd say almost the most important game in the final three rounds is Geelong Hawthorne coming up in round 21. Basically, the side that wins, I've got uh, making the finals, and the side that loses, I think, will miss out. Isn't that great, given the tradition that that fixture already It's has. appropriate. Um, yeah. I've got Port Adelaide finishing seventh. They've got West Coast at home, tough. They've got Collingwood away. They've got Essendon at home. So I've got two out of three for Port. And uh, finishing eighth, I've actually got North Melbourne sneaking. Yes. Well, they've got yeah. the best draw of these sides in contention. They play the Bulldogs at Etihad. They've got Adelaide away. I've given you a win for that, which is obviously a dicey proposition, but I think if the Crows are out of the running, there's every chance North can win that. And I've got them beating St Kilda in the last game. So I can have that one. at the very least, two out of three, and I think a big chance to win them all. Uh, so I've got the Cats missing out, and that is despite winning their last two games against Freo Geelong. They've got Hawthorne this week. Like we said, massive, massive clash. Uh, Sydney in 10th spot. I've got them losing to Melbourne at the MCG, mm -hmm. losing to GWS, beating Hawthorne in the last game, but uh, that's problematic. Um, I've got them missing out regardless wow. of winning that. And uh, 11th spot, I've got the Bombers, and 12th, I've got Adelaide. So, so Just uh, for argument's sake... Essendon can win their... Um, oh, they've got Richmond, though, don't they? Because they've got St Kilda next week. They'll win that. Yeah, and then they've got Richmond at the G and Port Adelaide at Adelaide Oval. Okay, and Adelaide's... Adelaide have got uh, GWS in Canberra, North Melbourne at home, and Carlton away. Okay. Um, yeah, probably can't make it. Gee, what a finish we're in for. It's, it's classic. All right, let's go through these games in detail because it was an incredible round of footy. It is time now for... The Wraparound. All right, I thought I'd get the painful one out of the way first, Finey. Hawthorne, Essendon. Yep. Turn the clock back this one, just in terms of epic games. You know, when you yeah. talk about... Look, everyone goes back to the 80s about Hawthorne, Essendon. They talk about the line in the sand game, which, as a game, was a bit of a stinker. There hasn't necessarily been that many great football games between Hawthorne Lesson in the last 30 years. Well, this was one of them. I thought it was an epic, and the number of times momentum swung. Essendon three times got three goals or more out in front. Each time the Hawks came back, bang, 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 reeled them in. And then in the last quarter, it switched. The Hawks were controlling the game for the first yep. 10, 15 minutes. They got, I think, 21 points up about 12, 13 minutes into the quarter, and then Essendon gave it one last shot. And then even in the last... Minute and a half. So uh, Hooker kicks a goal. There's about a minute left. Um, James Warpole kicks what appears for all intents and purposes to be the match winner for the Hawks. Only 35 seconds left then. And still, the Dons come again. I think Travis Collier kicked that last goal. 13, yep. 13 seconds. seconds left yep. on the clock. It was just a cracker of a game. I think ultimately Essendon made too many errors. And I think Hawthorne's strength and uh, big game experience really shone through. David Dobbs is our first uh, communicator tonight. Evening, Rowan Finey. Evening, David. I think I'll witness a game of the season on Saturday afternoon. Reminded me of the 1984 second semi-final. Can't wait for next Saturday with my beloved 
Hawks and our other much-hated rival. Yeah, good on you, David. I noticed you didn't bring up the 84 grand final. That's my favourite game. No, you're right. The 84 second semi is often uh, ranked by people the best game of footy ever. It's certainly up there. And um, the twists and turns of that, I think, were quite comparable to this one. I mean, when you're talking about... This is why I still rate Hawthorne as a big chance, particularly if they can sneak a top four spot, which are every chance to do. That big game experience is absolutely invaluable. Who were their best players? Um, Gunston, terrific, five goals. Luke Bruce, bobbed up just when he needed to bob up. Uh, I will talk about Ben Stratton a bit later. Yep. But they're big guns. Uh, Sean Burgoyne, just in the moments they needed him in the last quarter. Yep. Their big guns fire when they need them to. And for that reason alone, I think they're always a chance. So the big talking point out of the game, of course, at half-time, Tom Mitchell's on 29 mm. possessions. And, well, these are not meaningless possessions. These are possessions that uh, quantifiably add to the midfield success or failure of the Hawks. And with that many possessions, the question was, should he have a hard tag? Now, he slowed down in the second half. Mm. I mean, the scores aren't all that different in the two halves, really. What was your take at halftime, and what's your take post-game? Is he a player that should or should not be tagged? Well, there's a view... Yeah, it's a tough one. I think you've got to have the right sort of player to go with him. And I'm not sure that Essendon necessarily could sacrifice anyone out of that midfield. I think their midfield had needed all hands on deck playing an attacking, positive brand of footy. Um, they would have had to sacrifice someone to do that job on him. Who could have done it is the other question. Yep. I, I don't know. Could a, mm, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head. A Darcy Parrish, maybe. But but I, I think Essendon's midfield. McGrath? Uh, yeah. Didn't play a great game. So maybe at halftime they could have gone, McGrath's not firing. We'll, we'll let him adopt a completely negative role. Yep. Uh, Robert Victor asks, how important is Ben Stratton? Hang about, Robert. We're coming to him. I've got uh, big things planned for Ben Stratton in this show. Um, so it was a tough one, but ultimately I probably would have left the status quo as it was. I think in terms of positional switches, um, probably not throwing Kyle Hooker forward till halfway through the last quarter was a more costly decision. I just want to mention a couple of bombers. Look, I thought Essendon's effort, and more on this uh, around the same time you were talking about Stratton, but... I was very impressed for the second week in a row with Mac Tip, McDonald, Tip and Yeah, Reed. he's great. His he's second half of the season has been twice as good as the first yeah, half. And when, and when he's on song, of course, he, he causes such panic by not just the things he does, but also by the implied pressure that he will bring because he's such a relentless chaser and tackler. Yeah. So really well played for him. And, you know, Devin Smith, I, we've sung his praises number of times this season because, I, as we predict, he'll probably be the Essendon best and fairest. But I had a close look at him on Saturday and it's more than just running and getting the ball. It's the first for a little guy. His first step that gets him either out of trouble or breaks a tackle is really only second to Tom Mitchell. It was quite similar. You know, he's a star mm. and I'm just amazed that he's not caught more. Yeah, powerful, well, powerful little man. One of the best tacklers in the competition too. The guy mm. we should mention just quickly, Zach Merritt, he was awesome. Now, he had a pretty slowish start to the season. But again, in this revival, he has been a absolute key to that. I thought it was a fantastic game by Zach. And 
Um, you know, they looked pretty uh, shot to ribbons when they came off, but he was quite distraught because he'd given more than anyone, any other Essendon player anyway. So, yeah. look, that's the end for the Bombers, uh, and I think they'll certainly be thinking what might have been, no doubt, not just that Carlton game, but they lost to Frio, uh, they lost to the Western Bulldogs, and the Bulldogs weren't playing well. Yeah. Um, but not a wasted season because no. I think their I think their um, philosophy and their setup at the start of the year yeah. wasn't quite right, and they've worked it out. No, and I think they're a, they're a more multifaceted side now than they were last year. So yeah. I'm pro- I'm am prepared to accept there has been some improvement even without making finals. However, it makes 2019 the absolute acid test for them. I think there's been improvement in worst fault. I, I, I really felt that, you know, he was bringing some old school, we score, we'll score more than you yep. type um, bravado to his coaching. Mm. But I think it's uh, ended up a bit more sensible than that. Yeah, well, a couple of positional moves which have been good too. Mark Bagley forward being yeah. uh, paramount. All right, let's move on. Let's move on. We're getting a wind-up from about 500 different directions. Oh, just Judy Anderson wanted to know. Uh, Judy Anderson the... can Hawthorne beat Geelong. Yep. Yes, I'm tipping Hawthorne to beat Geelong. And Judy, Geelong can also beat Hawthorne. They could. Yeah. Which doesn't leave many other possibilities, really, does it? One more. We could be back here next week. No, we, we will, won't. We will be. <laughs> it could be a Let's draw. move on. Uh, okay, the showdown. Another rip-roaring game. As showdowns ever does. Uh, look, there's been a few. But, geez, you can't argue with the two this year. The first one was just incredible. And for me, that was the game of the season. This one wasn't far behind. Uh, you just knew... Even halfway through the first quarter, it was going to be neck and neck. Um, it's just, you know, no matter where they are on the ladder, yep. it's one of those classic games. Um, full credit to the Crows, too, because they really, if you looked at the key indicators, certainly inside 50s, they should have really won by a bit more than they did, which is, you know, it's a decent comment on Port Adelaide hanging tough. But, ah, yep. oh, geez, they blew it, Port. They were, t- what, 10 points up with uh, four or five minutes left? Yeah, they should have. They should have bottled it from there. I reckon. Yeah, they. Um, you know what? I thought that they were sort of. I thought they played catch up most. Most of, not catch up, but I really felt that Adelaide had that game, as you said, numbers wise. Yeah. And, you know, some wind guard precision. Farrell bobs up, mm. and then almost within a twinkling of an eye, I thought they'd broken the Crows' spirit. Mm. But I don't know, obviously, enough about showdowns to understand that those games just go on even into the car park afterwards. Yeah. But, but, or the Ramsgate. Yeah, but I just felt in a normal game of football, didn't you feel that Port Adelaide... Adelaide had sort of had the game taken from them and it mm. was winding down to a Port win? Well, I thought Port had them, and yep. I thought that exactly the same thing in the round eight game when Port were three goals up and yep. Adelaide went bang, bang, bang and actually hit the front. So um, I think, do you think the Crows are going to look on this as a wasted season or do you think, do you think Adelaide has more of a case than Essendon to think, oh, fate just wasn't, luck wasn't on our side? I think they do. They do, but when, when you have, pardon me, when you have a look at the players that they've lost throughout the season and it's been obviously a consequential amount of players, have they got the depth to cover it? And I say they do. So I'm not really looking at guys like Greenwood and Galucci. You know, these are good discoveries. Mm. Um, Really, they might need to have a look at some of the older players, some of the more established players in the team. Well, it was interesting that Jake Kelly got dropped, Mm. wasn't it? Did Mm. you expect that? Um, I think he's been dropped before. Yeah, 
I'm saying I thought he was had become an established player, but you know that back line now reads Keith and Dode. Mm. So well, Dodo Dodi. I, I can't pronounce it. Is it Dode? No, it doesn't matter. He's a he's a serious rising star chance, I think. Yeah, he's so been terrific. Eddie Betts is a question, but yeah, I reckon I'm, you can squeeze another season out of him. Yeah, I'm so, I'm, I'm just saying that you know just, when you look at who was missing for Adelaide, I, I'm partly you also have to question who was there for Adelaide. Yeah, and did they do the job? Sam Jacobs not the year that he's no. uh, come into the season with. These things do count. I reckon they'll bounce back pretty hard. Like, I, I don't think you're going to see them sort of gently fall away. Just from uh, Tony, he asked, do you think Hinkley, and we haven't talked about this yet, yep. the, I'm going to come to this later as well, but the controversial review. score review, yep. um, my big qualm about it was that they didn't spend long enough looking at the footage. Tony asked, do you think Hinkley cracked the sads in the presser and should have just taken the decision as something that happens? Or was he right to bag the AFL read the cameras? Um, I didn't mind him having a go actually because I'm I'm with him. I, I think the excuses about uh, you know prohibitive cost and we can't come to an agreement with the broadcasters, blah blah blah. I think they're all running a bit sort of thin after nearly ten years since the Tom Hawkins uh, incident in the 2009 Grand Final. You know we've got a multi-billion-dollar broadcasting rights agreement. Can't we just get the technology right? I think I think Hinkley had every right to bring it up because yeah. he was talking about the process that is failing the game. And mm. the failure comes because I believe it was, in the first instance, rushed through by Adrian Anderson and Andrew Demetriou. You know, when the world game soccer wanted to bring in goal line technology, mm. it took years to bring it in because there needed to be uniformity wherever it was used in terms of the technology that was used. Yeah. And they go to a graphic not dissimilar to Hawkeye. Now, it's a 3D imaging. If we can't use that to decide if balls are over the line, then don't bother with the process because we know that there are a parallax... You know, parallax... Parallax... Um, view? The view. And, yeah. and, and it is... You only need to go to a funhouse to know that, that, that the optical view can be absolutely distorted by the angle of the camera. I thought your whole life was a fun house, Fanny. Can I just say... It's, it's a something house. <laughs> uh, can I just say, uh, just on this, I think we've got, a, we've got a big problem here because I don't think now they can abandon it. The problem being that they might abandon goal reviews, but do you think that's going to stop the broadcasters still showing replays well, that, of shots see, to hit that's the post? The, that's the problem. The problem is... That's not going to stop. We can't de-evolve the replay that... Um, brings this situation to you know correct into into focus. So imagine then. Well, you know what they can do. What what they really can do, and there was the most appalling review I've seen in football. I reckon this 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 round. It was an umpire. The ball was touched. It was parried through the goals, and the umpire, the goal umpire, said one behind touched, and the goal umpire wanted a review. And the field umpire wanted a review. I think when the goal umpire is clear in making a decision, the field umpire has to butt out. Yeah, I, I suspect... Not even run up and look at them like expecting something to I think happen. the other issue here in hind, glorious hindsight, I'm not sure Steve Hawking should have come out and said, we've told them we don't want them to take more than 30 seconds because yep. I think getting the right decision is more important than how long it takes to do that. All right, let's move on. 
Game three, another rip-roaring... Ro uh, no, phrase I was looking for just didn't come there. Anyway, it was a great game. Rip Yeah, something like that. Um, I, was, I don't know, I was going to get Rogering in there for some reason, but that sort of reminds me of Blackadder. Uh, Sydney and Collingwood at the SCG. An epic, another epic, and the Swans pulling out a badly needed win. 11-7-73, beating the Pies. 10-11-71. More bad luck for the Pies on the injury front. Darcy Moore, of course, going down early, which made life a lot easier for Buddy Franklin, who cashed in, it's fair to say, with six goals. This was my, of all the nail biters, this was my favourite one. It was... Was it? Oh, what a last quarter. Yeah, it was good. I mean, Collingwood were done, and they showed a tremendous amount of character to get back in the game. Also, magnificent goal kicking. The goal by Hoskin Elliott from the boundary. Yeah, a ripper. A drop punt. But the goal that actually won the game for Sydney by McCartan, mm. well, you know, I mean, the lesser McCartan is the greater McCartan. And if we... I wonder what's going to happen with the Higgins goal for goal of the year. Do we sort of exclude it, knowing that that mark of the year by Ablett, in hindsight, was not a mark? And no. No, it's goal of the year. Well, I tell you, that McCartan goal was magnificent. How he summons the power well, isn't there live on the ground yeah, to but is, that goal. Isn't there an argument he could have been pinged for dropping the ball? Yes, yeah, because it was a drop kick. <laughs> Correct. Well, technically, that's. I'm glad you said that. Okay. Any player that is held and the ball touches the ground before it's kicked, technically that's dropping the ball. That would have been one of the bravest, smartest calls. I'm glad you picked up on that, because you're right. Now, uh, off Facebook, Mark... Luxonen has said, what about Moore's direct jibe at Collingwood's fitness staff? Now, I've got to be honest here, I mate. don't know. I don't know about that. No, so can you, uh, Or anyone, give us some more information Sorry. on that and we'll give you a view. Suffice to say, he's um, coming off. The injuries are really hitting Collingwood harder than any other club now. I think um, I saw a list up on the screen, I think, uh, after the game. There was something like nine. There were nine players, but at least six or seven who were definitely in their best 22. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Do you, I mean, I've, I've got them finishing third on the ladder despite this. I mean, it's a real testament to their depth. It is a fantastic performance by them. I mean, Varco has emerged as an important player. Well, he's terrific. Um, Cox wasn't able to hit the scoreboard. His kicking was a bit off, but gee, he's vital for them. Mm -hmm. This is a forward line that you could not have imagined at the start of the year. Dacos becomes an irrelevant player. I wonder whether Fasolo has a role to play. Oh, geez, it'd be a gamble. What if he's fit, you know? Well, he's played in the VFL. Yeah. He's, he's form in the VFL is quite good. Yeah. They can't play Elliot. I mean, it's the one other player that they can go to. I'm just saying that it is. it has been a movable feast, but that's not unlike the Bulldogs in 2016. What about the Swans? I, like what, you, I mean, I, were you expecting... I tipped Collingwood. I think you tipped Collingwood as yeah, well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's, they're a great character club, aren't they? That's the, the word that comes from mind. More character than a Shakespearean play. Yeah. But in the end, not enough talent. Well, I've, I, like we said at the outset, I've got them actually finishing two spots outside the eight. Yeah. I mean, their run is as tough as anyone. Melbourne next week at the G... Now, I don't care what anyone says. They don't play their best footy at the Jersey. No, that's going to be a, a bridge too far. GWS, you couldn't possibly tip them against the Giants, mm -hmm. who have won, what, nine of their last ten, and Hawthorne at home. But even giving them that victory against Hawthorne, if they lose to both Melbourne and GWS, they won't make it. The Look, it's that midfield that's starting to age before our eyes that 
is where it falls apart because you might think that with Grundy's issues and a one-man forward line, it's problems forward and back, but I thought Alex Johnson did a good job. Oh, yeah, no, we should uh, talk about him. because He played well. He did, he yep. did, and, uh, you know, look, you've heard a lot about it during the week, but it is an incredible story, yep. isn't it? So it's that midfield that's just not... It doesn't have the power, depth... Explosiveness, yeah. I think, is yeah, what yeah. it lacks. Yeah, and... You know what? Heaney's a great player, but not yet consistent. Not a consistent champ that fills the breach. So, yeah, I, it's just getting a bit tough on them. And I also think that Callum Sinclair is... You know, he's been bashed all year. Mm. It's going to the well over and over for Callum. It's starting to show a few signs. Yeah. Um, now, Mark has uh, added to his previous comment. He was interviewed on Nine News about hamstring injuries and stated Collingwood need to look elsewhere for solutions. That's an interesting comment in itself. Oh, well, the clubs do that. I mean, you know, that's... But we'll solutions talk about... to what? I mean, a hammy is a... It's a, uh, it's a trauma injury, isn't oh, it? Oh, no, but, you know, somebody like Nathan Freeman went overseas. The players with um, chronic hamstring injuries, Germany mm. has been a sort of trailblazer in sometimes controversial techniques. I mean, he might Cars be... blood. Well, yeah, various... Um, various in, insertions and injections of legal substances that go, you know, almost to the cutting edge of... Um, well, look, if I was a Collingwood... What's it, what, what is it that we're going to put in ourselves eventually? Um, oh. Alcohol? No. no. Um, I if I, I more if, about I, if I was... I'm glad I don't. If I was Collingwood's medical department, I'd be pretty unhappy about that comment. All right, let's move on. Uh, and another cracking game. They just kept coming. Friday night, the start of the round, Richmond-Geelong. Yep. Great effort by the Cats and probably a bit stiff in the finish. The Tigers 12-13-85, just hanging on against the Cats 12-10-82. Four goals to Rewalt um, for the Cats. Three to Menzel, very dangerous early. Two to the debutante Ruckman, Sean... It is Sean Ryan Abbott. Who's Sean Abbott? Well, good day, Sean. If, yeah, he might be, I think. Bowler. Yeah. Good day, Sean. Good day, Ryan. Anyway, kick two. And uh, what about the game of uh, Dangerfield? Fantastic, Kelly. but we expect that Tim Kelly. Yep. Wow, what a what a fantastic recruit he's been. All the big names up there for the Cats. Look, in the end, um, Gary Ablett nails that shot. You know, in the last you'd expect him to get probably would, nine times I, out of I ten. I felt that had he kicked that, it would have been a bit of theft. I oh, so you, you didn't feel like Geelong deserved to win? Oh, no, they deserved it because that's to beat Richmond at the MCG. Gee, to run them that close yeah. um, is a magnificent effort. So they deserve every, every, um, the, all of the four points and all the kudos they would have received. But just in the way the game played out... Um, they came late, the Cats. They did they? come late, and I'm not saying it was like the 89 grand final. It was a bit tighter than that, but... Richmond just fell asleep at the wheel a bit toward, just at the very end of the game. They right? did. They did. I thought it was probably, perhaps the first time this year when I've looked at the Tigers and thought, oh, they just might have thought this was put to bed when it wasn't. Good one off Facebook from Paul. Uh, the Cats recruited for the now. If we finish 7th, 8th or miss out in finals, would you consider 2018 a failure and would you give Chris Scott a contract extension? Uh, if they miss out, 7th oh, or 8th, is that a failure? Not necessarily. They miss out, certainly a failure. Would I give Scott an extension? That's a really interesting question. I don't know if I can decide on the spot, to be honest, because I can see pros and cons. But I, I reckon this group has another one or two years of a flag tilt left in it. 
Can I tell you, I liked them more this year than last year when they were in the top four. Why? Because of the... A few more strings to the bow? Well, the inclusion of Kelly. Yeah. Kelly was a really you know, smart recruit. Yeah. And I think we've seen life without... Um, I, I, would, I would say uh, most likely that we've seen a life without um, uh, Harry Taylor. So the back line will have a new a new life, and it's surviving without him. Yeah, I, I don't mind. I don't. Yeah, mind no. There's, both, there's a few more strings to the bow. Wouldn't, I they, think. wouldn't they like a good goal kicking small forward? Yes, they would. Wouldn't most sides? Yep. Very quickly, Con says Luke Darcy was proclaiming last night Bucks as his coach of the year. Yet if Tigers go back to back, where does that leave Hardwick? Well, officially, Hardwick will be the AFL Coach of the Year. It's awarded to the Premiership coach. The AFL does. Mm-hmm. The AFL Coaches Association might see it differently. The guy who's completely ignored in those discussions, as are his team, is Adam Simpson. I mean, he's done a fantastic job with the Eagles this year. Yeah, about, no one thought they'd be in the eight. How about Brad Scott? Uh, again, yeah. No, I don't think it's cut and dry. Mm. All right, we've got to keep moving along. Uh, speaking of the Roos and Brad Scott, Brisbane, North Melbourne. And another cracker finding up at yeah, the Gabba. I, I love this game. 16 11, 107 the Roos. Just getting over the line from Brisbane. 16 8, 104. Three to McLuggage. Two to Rayner Robinson, Matheson, McInerney, Zorko for the Lions. Three to Zebel for the Roos. Two to Walker, Atley, Waite, and Turner. Uh, cracking game. Played in, in beautiful Gabba sort of middle of winter conditions and war- uh, warm. and plenty of drama at the end to courtesy Cam Rayner, which we're not going to talk about at length here because I've got that covered as well later yep. on. Uh, what do you think of the game? This, unlike the Richmond-Geelong game where Adelaide had a chance at the end, you'll talk about Rayner and uh, the goal that he probably should have kicked or could have kicked, kids of beauty. Brisbane were coming so hard at the end. They had plenty of chances to win that oh, game. Oh, they did. North stopped well short of the line, in fact. Yeah. Uh, they certainly missed Sean Higgins, no question, because when they were on top, they had a lot of midfield ball and really probably should have put the game beyond doubt a couple of times when they got to 24 points up. Trent Dumont played a really good game. I'm glad for him. I Najak Dor continues to be a... a just a powerful, ominous, looming figure. Most improved player in the AFL. Waits' return was okay. <coughs> but Brisbane, you know what, with much less to play for and probably seeing the game out of their reach, 23 points down in the last quarter, showed everything you'd want from a team that is going to make big moves up the ladder next year. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. They've been... Terrific, I think, particularly in the back half of the year. And the, the hamburger you'd never eat was brilliant, by the way. The McLuggage. I mean, he was, he was, he, just look at his numbers. His you movement. could just see the inexperience, though, as they tried to get the winning goal. Just at least five or six times in the last five minutes where just one handball too many. Or... <laughs> it was, was a human panic machine. Yeah, it was. But that'll come. That'll yeah. come. Yeah. No, they're, um, they're, they're definitely on the right track. The Lions and looking pretty good. All right, let's go to Etihad Stadium uh, Saturday night. And, and let's leave after about <laughs> half an hour. <laughs> well, I've got to say, I was mainly watching the other game, but uh, a good win for the Bulldogs. Been a while between drinks for them. 15 13, 103, beating your Saints 9 14, 68. Uh, what was the extent of that turnaround? I'm sure you know. St Kilda were 29 points up. Okay. And uh, obviously, within a twinkling of an eye, found themselves 41 so points down, what happened? four points down. Uh, first of all, in the first quarter, it should be noted that 
even though St Kilda have kicked four goals to none, those five points kicked by the Western Bulldogs, four of them were sitters. Mm. I mean, they just missed goals that they should have got. So maybe not all that indicative of what was happening, but what did develop in the second quarter when St Kilda extended that lead halfway through the quarter was that Bulldogs players were not working hard enough. You would be um, justified in asking the question whether or not Bontempelli cared at that point in time. Uh, Bulldogs free-running, high-possession-winning players, McRae and Hunter, were running so wide that they weren't impacting on any of the clearances. And it was really only Joe Henderson running off the half-back line that mattered. But uh, I'll tell you what, Bontempelli woke up, St Kilda went to sleep, Seb Ross had a great start, he couldn't finish it off, the rest of the midfield were no good. Hickey went down injured, we went, St Kilda put Carlisle into the ruck, and then they just struggled, you know, they dropped Rowan Marshall, which was stupid anyhow. They struggled for big men, tap use, they stopped running, and they added a beautiful element to their game, which only um, St Kilda fans can really appreciate, and that is... Their kicking, which has been bad a goal, was bad from everywhere all around the ground and was honestly, given that it was at Eddie Had, was below VFL Well, standard. have a look at the third quarter. It was abysmal. Have a look at the third quarter. Eight goals, six to five behind. Oh, yeah, uh, the first 10 minutes of the quarter was competitive. The last 20 minutes, I mean, their last two or three goals, they were tries, not goals. They were walking them in in the goal square. All right, one word answer. Does Alan Richardson survive? Well, he's been That's given not the one back word. He does. I'll, I'll give you the answer. Simon. One word. Left lean, yes. That's one word, two syllables. Yeah, he's been... No, I want a yes or no. Does he survive? He does. Okay, next question, one word answer. Should he survive? He should not. That's three words. No. Thank you. <laughs> That's hard for me to say because oh, I really oh, like Richardson. Uh, yeah, no, same. No, no, I really do, but... But this is this is this ain't going anywhere, folks. Never give a one-word answer where three will suffice. Uh, all right, let's move on. Game number seven. And uh, speaking of shellackings, they ramped up the shellackings a bit more on Sunday. What a contrast to Saturday's footy. The first two games today were GWS twenty-three thirteen one fifty-one defeated Carlton seven four fifty-six. So the Giants a five-goal quarter. Followed by a seven-goal quarter, followed by a four-goal quarter, followed by another seven-goal quarter. They were doing it on the bit from about 15 minutes into this game. There's one brief period, uh, when was it? Start of a second quarter where Carlton started to put a bit together, but uh, it faded pretty rapidly. And it was a bit of a training drill for the Giants, really. This game will just go down. As oh, what else you can say? Well, inexperienced Carlton, they'll learn by blah. No, they, look, Carlton... I use the word shamed occasionally. Their last quarter was unfathomable. GWS had four players gone for the afternoon. Yeah, well, there was a moment in which there were 16 players on the ground. They then had other players that came off even though no one came on. Yeah. How you can... What was it? Seven goals to what in the last quarter? It was one goal straight to 7-3. That is unacceptable when there are no rotations and sometimes you're playing against one or two less players. Now, come on. Question from Mark Chapman. What about Brendan Bolton? Does he survive? Yes, he does. Uh, should he survive? Yes, he should. Why? Um, well, 15-word answer. 
Yeah, it's going to take me half a show to frame it. No, because I think um, it's not even necessarily a huge vote of confidence in him. I think that to change coach now, they just go back two steps. They're rebuilding an entire list. So whoever the new coach is has to get a list in his image, the list he wants to work with, okay. the type of game plan he wants to pursue. It doesn't. You can't just magically switch coaches unless you're a much better credentialed side, a, a good side that's fallen on hard times. The Blues aren't that. They're building from the ground up. You understand the difference? So they would be going back another few steps in my view. I reckon this needs to be given another one or two years. His green shoots have been trampled on, gnawed at, and are basically the need to reshoot. Yeah. The, uh, the aph- aph- aphids. <laughs> I was just thinking of uh, Alan Seal. Aphids. Alan Seal. Yeah. The aphids have got to them. Um, all right, game eight. I'm getting a bit stupid. Um, at the MCG, and uh, well, they should have packed up and gone home at quarter time in this one, too. Melbourne no. 20, 21 17, 143. Defeated Gold Coast 7 5 47. Um, 96 points. The quarter time score Gold Coast one goal straight, Melbourne nine goals, three, 57 points. Okay. No, I heard you say. They really tried their guts out, Gold Coast. This is very different to Carlton's effort. Maybe because their terrible quarter was the first quarter. But Stuart Dew, and they, we got a good insight into Stuart Dew because on the TV you heard him at the quarter time breaks, you know. He actually praised them for the one goal they got in that first Which is quarter. good because we didn't have to hear the commentators. Well, well, I'm going to talk about that a bit later. But they really, look, they lost Peter Wright in the first quarter. That left them with Jared Witts and no other talls on the ground. Um, Jack Leslie, who's sort of their backup, backup, backman, ended up having to go forward. He'd never kicked a goal in footy. Had a couple of tries, but didn't look like a forward. There was no height. And you know what? They really tried their guts out. Now, they were overpowered, you know, outskilled, outmatched. But I don't think, going home tonight, that Stuart Dew is ashamed of the Suns. Five goals to Alex Sexton. Give him a rap. Yeah, that was a good effort. Wasn't okay. It? What about the Demons, though? Like, they, they deserve a rap for the way they've been able to really put ordinary sides away, I reckon. Mm-hmm. Not yeah. everyone can do that. Their no. percentage is testimony to that. Yes. Uh, Mark says Melbourne will be Richmond's biggest challenger. I don't think so. Just prefer others. Well, maybe just on injuries they will be, as West Coast and Collingwood. Fair point. Look, their best, their best is intoxicating in a way. I, I just, I, I've got my doubts about whether they can produce that three finals in a row. You know, for a team that I thought had a lot of inside mids because they had Viney and Clayton Oliver, and they really don't have enough inside strength at the moment. Mm. Mm. Gorn gives them such good service that they feel they might not need it. Well, Sydney next week is a great test for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, will be. And Sydney, um, Sydney smashed them in that game last year, from memory. I think won very easily. All right, final game of the round, and uh, the ramifications of this one are huge. Uh, sorry, we've just got the mailman knocking on the door. I just told him to go away, but uh, someone, <laughs> yeah, he can go away. Uh, no, mate, we got our Bible delivery this week. Uh, West Coast Fremantle, crushing win to the Eagles 21-16, 142 defeating Fremantle 13-6, 84 uh, if you missed us off the top we have talked about the Andrew Gaff incident, massive ramifications for the Eagles um, I think he'll get four at an absolute minimum but probably more likely to get six based on the precedent last year of the Tom Bug Callum Mills incident 
John, so, John just makes a good point that, of course, um, there's Brayshaws in both camps, Fremantle and West Coast. Amish Brayshaw plus the West Coast, yes. Uh, it would have been a bit awkward at the post-game convivials in the Brayshaw family, I reckon. Uh, look, if you want to see what we had to say about that, wait till the end of the show, go back to the start. But let's talk about the game itself. Another very, very imposing performance by the Eagles, I thought. Four goals to Darling, uh, four to Cripps, three to Ryan, um, two to Vardy, who has come in and done what's required in yep. Natanui's absence. Lysette, two goals to him as well. I uh, thought their midfield looked dominant. Um, you know, it's a game they should have won by a lot, but showdowns can be unpredictable. Oh, showdowns. Derbies can be unpredictable. I thought in that Derbies. case, a, uh, they say Derby. Derby. They say Derby, we say Derby. Um, a 58-point margin in a, a Derby is pretty convincing to me. In Fremantle, we've discussed them. They've got so few players that really um, compete at the top end. Monday played well again. He tried hard. And Lockie Neal runs around, had Hutchings for company, of course, makes it more difficult. But for the West Coast Eagles, again, personnel becomes an issue with players going down. Good to see Liam Ryan back. He is an exciting character, is yeah. he not? Oh, with him and Rioli, and there's their forward setups, really imposing. And look, the gaff thing, um, it, it really does make a difference. Had the gaff thing not happened, I'd be sitting in now saying, I cannot believe more people don't think the Eagles can win the flag because they can absolutely win it. Do I still think they can win it? Maybe, maybe. But I, know, I, I, I think hard. it it's makes a, it hard. Darling's interesting. Came into the game out of form. His first two shots at goal were terrible and he grew into his better self. So that's great news for the Eagles. Glenn Mitchell in WA reports that Gaff received a standing ovation from West Coast fans when he came off the ground. Yeah, It's well, that sort of thing, though. When you go to a derby or a showdown... And it's built up as, you know, us versus them. Yeah. This would have been a show of support from the West Coast fans for Gaff in the face of Freo fans. And it was pointed out on the radio coverage that I was listening to that there were no replays of this at the ground. Well, that's good. So they were really going on here. So. I wonder if someone stood up and said that one's for Phil Reed in 2000 and 2000. On the back of Kick It. Yeah. The Demolition Derby. Demolition Derby. Uh, all right, that's it for the wraparound. What a massive uh, weekend of games that was. It's time now, Mark, for Hot or Not. I don't even bother looking at that anymore. I'm going to rip off my shirt while I can do that. <laughs> Did, how about, what's that? Yeah, rock and roll. No, that's um, that's the rock and roll. The Devil Horns by what was his name? He was in Black Ozzy Sabbath. Osbert. No, he was in Black Sabbath for a little bit. Um, Ozzy Osbourne. No, 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 no. He was a uh, Tommy Iommi. No, he didn't. He didn't. Oh, Ronnie, Ronnie James Dio. Ronnie James Dio yeah, yeah, yeah. did that first. A I controversial believe. view too. I, I, my favourite Black Sabbath stuff is with Ronnie James Dio on lead vocals and not Ozzy Osbourne. But wasn't he the Devil's Hall. Yeah, yeah, and no, I think you might be right. Or was he ordering four beers? I'll tell you what, the phone lines are running hot here at Southern FM. Yep. I don't know. Uh, but we, we, want, we want your communications via yes. Facebook. Yes, keep sending through the questions, comments and heckles. We will take them all on. All right, hot or not, I'm going to kick us off, Finey. And um, what a magnificent mulleted man this bloke is. Ben Stratton. All right, it's become de rigueur the mullet on this guy, but... 
He would have to v. be... V. Hardwick, of course. He would uh, have to be one of the most underrated defenders in the AFL over the last 10 years. Just gets the job done, never gets much kudos, but you couldn't ignore him in this game. Of course, it helped that uh, the Bombers weren't squaring up the numbers down back at times, and he was able to drift off and take a lot of intercept marks. I think seven all up. Ended up with 11 marks for the game, 19 disposals. Um, he was to them in defence what Gunston was to them in attack. I thought he's just a great reader of the play. Yep. Uh, he's he's strong when he has to be, you know, tough in the right sense of the word. Um, uh, good skills. You know, he's just he's a, a solid all-round back. Great decision-maker. Yeah, he is. He is. And I think I don't think, uh, you know, he was important to them even when they were at their heyday, and he's become even more important now. So it was a great game. Has to be in the votes, and I'm pretty sure in the coaches' votes he'll rank very highly. Number one in the AFL for? Uh, no, this isn't a stat. Oh, this is an observation. Mullins? Maybe, but for disguising out-of-bounds. Always seems oh, to be yeah. able to get it, tumble it out, you know. Yeah, yeah. Just no. trying to reach the Yeah, ball. no, good call. It is an art form. It's, yeah, he's it, very good at it. It is an art form. Do we have a comment on Ben Stratton? Oh, air guitar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, LaSalle thought I was having a seizure. Yeah, we've been through that. Yeah, no, it's like when uh, Kenny's playing the video game on South Park and he actually does have a seizure, <laughs> but they just drag his dead body around with him until the rats bust out of it at the end. All right, you're up. Uh, hot for three players that, at, at their clubs um, had to wait a long time for a game of football and all of them brilliant stories and amazing they all played on the same weekend. Nathan Freeman at the Saints via Collingwood 2013 top 10 draftee and that was his first game and he did not look out of place at all. Then of course we've spoken about Alex Johnson. A great comeback but a very important comeback and the fact that they won and they got around him at the end of the game was wonderful. Did you look up how much a bottle of milk was when Alex Johnson last played AFL footy? Um, Ten shillings? Yeah, that's right. Um, it was delivered by a man on a horse, <laughs> yeah. or with a horse. and had little gold tops. And a horse was in the coach's box. <laughs> and finally, um, Vandenberg of... Yep. Um, Aaron Vandenberg. Yeah, of Melbourne, something like two years. I think his last game was the last game of 2016. Mm. And apparently his last game was a 111-point loss at Geelong. So he was able to enjoy a more fruitful weekend. And I'll talk about barracking from the commentator's box, but a few people wanted him to kick a goal and he went close a couple of times. All right, good call. Uh, a not for me next, and it goes to, listen carefully, not score reviews, score reviewers. Now, you can have the best technology in the world, Finey, but I think sometimes... It gets superseded by human nature and human error. That is perhaps unavoidable. But I am not convinced that the people doing the score reviewing in AFL footy are necessarily the best people for the job. However, well, we don't know who they are. We don't know what qualifications they have. But there seems to be plenty of very debatable calls they make. Now, the controversial Josh Jenkins goal. My biggest is there was a few weird things about this. There, and if you follow me on Twitter, yes, you'll be bored silly with this because I kept going on about it. But there was one replay of it which I swear appeared to have the ball going in front of the post. Mm -hmm. Another angle, you'd swear the ball went behind the post. So I've got no problem with that, some sort of optical illusion or I need, like you, to get a pair of glasses. Mm -hmm. However, 
My biggest problem with the Josh Jenkins thing was the length of time they took to review the evidence. It was all of about rapid. 10 seconds. It was rapid. So this gets back to what we're saying about Steve Hocking. Now, yeah, okay, it gets a bit frustrating when you've got a 30-second wait when they're deliberating on whether a shot's a point or out in the full. But this has ended up deciding a game, and I think that the reviewers owed it to everyone involved to at least take as much time as possible to be reasonably sure that the evidence was not conclusive enough to overturn the original decision. I think they've got to get. I think the process needs to be more formalised. I think it needs to be more uniform. I'm pretty sure some reviewers go quicker on a decision than others. Uh, I think we need to know who these people are. It's a pretty important bloody job. Yep. We know yeah. nothing about them. Yep. Yeah. You know, we have so many hot umpire head cam. What? That's from Jaron. Yeah. They, Jaron wants a head umpire head cam. Oh, okay. I don't think that'd necessarily help. No, the the fact is we do not have the uniform camera coverage for each goal at every ground. We also have a huge issue we touched off the boot, this bent finger yeah, yeah, search. Yeah. yeah. Which when, was never supposed to be part of it. When the biggest aid in knowing whether a ball's touched is the sound. And we don't use the sound. You know, when you're when you're umpiring a game of footy or, or playing a game of footy, it's the sound that the ball makes. One of the Adelaide assistant coaches today threw up the idea of posts lighting up on contact, like the Zing bales. Oh, that'd be great. We'll have aeroplanes landing at ground. No, no, but, but as a, an aid to definitely knowing whether it's hit a post, I, I, that makes yeah. sense. And, and I know this is only a small part of something that really irks me is the more we rely on technology and then more technology to get it right and various other things that we've done to AFL football, we are creating a sport separate from Australian rules played mm. right around the country. Well, the reliance on technology is happening everywhere, Finding I can guarantee you that in 10 years' time, it won't be us sitting here presenting this. It'll be two robots. In fact, some media organisations have already gone to those lengths with their football shows, Finding. You're up. I thought he was a robot. I knew it. Uh, not hot. Is commentators barracking for the kill? Now, look, I know that the Melbourne Gold Coast game was a fait accompli and after that big first quarter by Melbourne, but we were fed statistics that Melbourne had never won by more than 100 points two times in a season or hadn't done it since 1822 or something. What about the one at the end when they failed to win by 100? It was, it's the, the third pressure time on, they've won by 90 points. You know, the pressure on Fritz to kick the goal, but also get Vandenberg to... You know, at the end, let's get Vandenberg to kick the 100-point margin. And Really, there are Gold Coast supporters out there. And I know as a St Kilda fan, over the years, on the receiving end of thrashings, to hear commentators salivating like hyena around a, a dead carcass, you know, just enjoying the kill, that's not the role and that's not fair and that's not commentary and that's not not and that's not hot. Do you think I should have been talking it up? So if they just get another 15 no. goals, they could be right back in this. No, of course not. But from a long way out, they were earth riding Gold Coast and wanting the biggest possible margin. The Suns are a soft target. Yeah, I'm, People barrack for Gold Coast, I'm saying. We're not barrack for St Kilda. I didn't really enjoy halfway through the second quarter the record books being pulled out. Let's beat them by 200. You're already up in the social club by then, weren't you? No, I've never let... 
I'm, if I go to a game, I don't leave early. All right. Uh, my last ones are hot. Mm-hmm. And uh, look, he's had plenty of raps, but not for a while. Maybe people have sort of got bored with the novelty factor. But watching Friday night, Richmond Geelong, I was really uh, drawn to Toby Nankervis. I love him finally. I love everything about him. He's a competitor. I love the, his presence. I think he's a real spiritual leader for the Tigers, which is no mean feat because they've got a few. But even in structural terms, um, he's a very, very important player. And I think the evidence of that, uh, probably more so even last week when they played Collingwood, that every time Collingwood came back into the, oi, was there hot or not thing, boys? All you got to do, you know, is adjust windows so that it never... No, don't worry about it. It's back. Okay. Anyway, I digress. Um, every time he came off the ground for a spell against the Pies, Grundy got on top and Collingwood got themselves back in the game. So he's a critical part of the equation for the Tigers. But, you know, for a guy who, let's be honest, how many people when Sydney gave him up thought, oh, yeah, you know, this guy's going to be really important for the Tigers? I reckon plenty of people wouldn't have thought he'd necessarily get a game ahead of Sean Hampson. Well, he's he's been absolutely sensational. Really important part of their flag, and if they win it again, he'll be just as important. Yeah, cleverly used. He's a big on baller. They don't worry too much about the hitouts with him. Um, where does he rank in Nankervis's or Nankervi for you? You're gonna you're gonna pull up another one here. Ian and Bruce, I'd have I'd have ahead of Which him. Which Ian? Uh, there was one that played for Carlton. Carlton, top of the goal kicking. You've already done this early spell. 60s. You've already done this shtick. Yeah, no, I haven't because yeah, Toby is second. That's the only way I knew about it. Toby is second for me. I've got Ian Nankervis of Geelong first. Yeah. Toby second and Brian Nankervis. Oh, yes, very good from Rockwiz. Yeah, um, <laughs> poet Laurie. I know, Brian. It's a good boy. What, what was his character that did the poems? Uh yeah, on loved um, it. Loved those poems on Hey Hey. And yeah, I know. I've just a blank. Anyone? Someone uh, Facebook that in. Yeah. All right, finishes off. Or um, we get completely and utterly off track. No, no. Uh, hot. I really give full praise to those. Raymond J. Bartholomew's. Excellent. Well done. <laughs> just came to me. Good work. Oh, morning, Jill. So, oh. I really, I can't speak highly enough for the five teams that lost the nail biters. Maybe with the exception of Port Adelaide, the other four teams were gone mm. in that last quarter. Geelong were gone. Yeah. Richmond, I thought, had it, and they really fought it out. Essendon, the Hawthorne, by the, you know, by the end, had the game at their behest, and you know, twice they came at them, which shows a lot of character. Brisbane, especially, you know, I mean, they didn't have anything to play for. Four goals down, and the game was just sort of running out. Young players getting tired. I finished all over North, and Collingwood were fantastic as well. So often you look at the beaten teams and the summaries of the game will be unfairly lopsided, even if it's two points of difference. But I want to say that these four losers were every bit as good as the four winners. Well, there were four fantastic games that were in doubt right yeah. until the last second. So Port a bit uh, different. I think Port sort of won that game. Uh Sarab has just thrown up a separated berth of Ben Stratton and Gary Ayres. Yes, very good call. Yep. Blake Hardwick, of course, the mullet apprentice. Yes. Um, I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's got to be some better test. It is to a it, bit. Sure. it is, yeah. Thank God for that. He's a different sort of cat, though, Ben Stratton, I think, from all accounts. Hardwick's a good footballer as well. Tough little, tough unit. In a long line of Hardwick's. Here's another one from Jaron. 
And what happens if a player hits the post with their bodies? Correct. Like I said, there's a problem with any sort of technology. That is correct. That's in relation to the post lighting up. That illuminated post, mm. if they do it, mm. I want it to be like the um, that thing at the Royal Melbourne show that you hit. Oh, yeah, and it goes... Mm. Yeah, but it's all different colours. Yeah. So it starts red, yellow, yeah. green, you know. Depending how hard it is <coughs> the post. All right. Don't make me too jovial, Finey, because you know what we're up to in the show. Oh, yeah. We're up to that bit in the show. The Randolph. Where we get angry. And I couldn't give him a best last week because I was a bit crook. And I'm still a bit crook, actually. Yep. But I'm going to fire up because there's a trend in footy that is really, really getting on my wick, Finey. I'm sure you can get suitably angry, too. Yep. And do this intro with me as we now throw to the... Randolph! All right, just count me in. Three, two, rant off! I'm pissed off with these round-the-corner kicks, Finey. Steve Johnson has got a lot to answer for. It's about seven years since Stevie J first caused apoplexy in the commentary boxes by snapping over his shoulder instead of facing the goals. But there's two important things to note in how he went about it. One, this was a guy's kicking skills were already so good, he didn't just make the ball talk. He made it deliver a two-hour-long oration. And two... Generally, when Stevie J pulled out the round-the-corner kick, he was lining up from about the fifth row of seating. What were Cam Rayner and Ollie Wines thinking about on Saturday, Finey? Both at critical moments, both in perfect position for the drop punt. Seriously, I've seen tighter angles on the gun barrel highway. So what did they do? They go the smart-ass round-the-corner job and stuff up spectacularly. There's a good reason blokes have been using the drop punt for the last hundred odd years, Finey. It works, and it's called less margin for error. You can actually not hit a drop punt properly and still get a half-decent kick out of it. But you mishit one of these reverse banana jobs, and you're going to make a dick of yourself. Look, I don't want to start sounding like Jason Dunstall, mainly because that's only a small step away from looking like Jason Dunstall. But the guy knows what he's talking about when it comes to kicking goals. And I reckon he'd have the perfect punishment for Rainer and Wines after what happened on Saturday. That's right, guys. I'd be very careful, or you might end up having to do a guest spot on Bounce. <coughs> See, look what it's doing to me. This round-the-corner stuff is straight out of Gaelic football. And don't get me wrong, I'm all for a cultural appropriation from other sports. But there's so many players now doing it straight in front. I'm starting to feel like I'm watching a game from Dublin's Croke Park. Next thing you know, they'll be drowning in Guinness, putting an O in front of their surnames, and telling us the cause of their favourite band. And that, Mark Fine, is just a step too far! Disagree. Why? Because I've played a bit of footy, and I... Oh, what? Sorry, I haven't? Yeah, no... Mate, I was John Gardner High School's leading goal kicker three years in a row. I'm surprised he played up forward. No, I just... In kicking the ball, I always felt you get a bit of... You know, some players like it. You get more... You get... You kick the belly of the ball. Silvio Fashini used to do it. Look, Jade Gresham does it, and he never misses. He's a beautiful shot of goal, doing that round-the-corner kick. Some players like the drop punt. With the around the corner kick, it's less about the ball drop. The ball drop on the drop punt is very important. And you really have to drop it straight on your boot where you're holding it more 
for longer with the round the corner kick. So I think players with a bad ball drop prefer it. But I'll say this. Hang on, wait. Just for I want to. I'll back you up with one thing. Ollie Wines couldn't have done what he did had he kicked a drop punt. My voice is going. And Cam Rain is a beautiful <clears> kick and yeah. kicks a beautiful drop punt. Well, he rushed was, it I was, too. I was surprised with him. All right, back me up quick. Yep. You're going to back me up? The Cam Rainer should have kicked the drop punt. Oh, okay. He can kick a drop punt. Tony says, Hoskin Elliott showed how to kick a drop yeah, punt he's from a an acute He's angle. a beautiful kick. I would still argue, and maybe we can get some geophysicists or whoever to actually calculate the margins. Oh, I don't I was just looking for a scientific sort of word. But I still argue there is less margin. kicking rocks. There is less margin for error. Well, they are when they're wet. Um, <laughs> less margin for error with a drop punt than going around the corner. Aaron says, my dad says he remembers guys using torps for those tied on the boundary shots. How about or the, the Twiggy flat Dunn? Punt. Yeah, Peter Hudson, Twiggy Dunn, flat punt. Flat punt was a great kick from about 30 metres yep. out. That's where you hold the ball. Yep. Um, you know, point, point, and you're kicking the belly of it. Yep. The problem about the drop punt is you are kicking the point of the ball, the hardest, smaller You know, area. the problem with the flat punt is yep. that it's not very aesthetically pleasing oh, it's, kick. It's, it's an it looks ugly. It's I the, like a beautiful kick. Oh, the the flat punt is the kick that the if you mm. hand a foreigner the ball, mm. he may well flat punt it. But good uh, good point, uh, Twiggy Dunn, of course, to tie the scores in the seventy seven grand final goes the torp. It was great. He took a mark twelve meters out, thirty seconds to go, and he kicked at seventy meters. <laughs> it, was, it went as far as Blighty's kick. All right, fire up, Finey. I'm going to count you in. Last week. Too long. More succinct this week, please. Three, two, one. Rant! I hate Rowan Conley. That, no, that, that was my succinct one. Oh, it's a long and exclusive. <laughs> I love Rowan. Social engineering from the grandstands has gone too far. And we know that there are many decent innovations and also... Um, Forms of improvement, both for playing the game and watching the game, that now we could not be without. Nobody is asking to go back to days of on-field racism or racism in the stands. Of course not. We've moved on from that. And likewise, we've hopefully moved on from thuggery that marked some football in the 70s and 60s. And we'll see that with the GAF Tribunal, I'm sure, during the week. But we have gone a step too far, Rowan, because now there is a move backed by Gillan McLaughlin, supported, I heard, by some special comments commentators on the weekend, that this, and Bruce McAvaney hates it, which means it's probably good, this unseemly and now considered antisocial act of rousing an opponent or getting it in an opponent's face when he misses an easy shot of goal, needs to be stamped out of the game. Now, I've heard past players, as special comments men, trying to do the right thing and appear to the general public as being, you know, good-hearted people and saying it's terrible, it's wrong. It, it, it's, I heard one person describe it as workplace bullying last weekend. <laughs> Who said A that? A form of bullying. It was said last weekend on the... Channel 7 commentary that this is a form of bullying. And it just shows how little these people know about football. It's not a form of bullying. It's a form of psychological testing. If somebody misses an easy shot, get in their face. Razz them. 
Because the next time they have an easy shot at goal, the pressure mounts. I'll tell you one thing I've never seen a footballer do, and that is when somebody misses a shot after the siren to win a game, I've never seen the opposition go up and give him hell. No, the game's over then. While the game's on, it's fair play, butt out and stop social engineering from the grandstands. Well, it's a very un-PC rant, but I, I, yeah, I'm about halfway here. But well, I, well, hang on, it's about... No, but I think the problem is, and I'm being quite serious, I think the problem with this is that it becomes a bit of a fashionable thing, and then when you get three or four guys coming in and razzing the bloke, then you risk a brawl erupting as a result. Oh, well, they'll pay the penalty in thousands of dollars. Now, but a player that's struggling in front of goal, that will add to the pressure on him, won't it? And that's um, what the opposition wants to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, we could extend that, perhaps. I mean, imagine uh, Mark says, Finey's rant is much mellower. Finey's more like Dr. Phil. He is with the glasses, which I'm going to ask you about. Well, I'm going to lie. I need them. Yeah, no, um, now I forgot what I was going to ask you about. Razzing of players? Uh, no. No, it's gone. Thanks, Mark. You threw me through my bloody train of thought. No, razzing of players... Is razzing the right word? Razzing. I don't know. It sounds very grade six, doesn't it? It sounds like a red ice block in a... Oh, no, I know. Could we extend this concept so if I sort of stuff up something in this, you get in my face and go, oh, are you going to get the next one right? Or when David stuffs up the time on the segment. Well, that's you know. what you do. And David is Rowan's son. By and way. actually, bugger it, you know what? David today played in the ones and he scored. David actually scored. So big round of oh, applause. Well done. For David, David Connolly scored for Ashburton today. Just on soccer. Yep. Very quickly, I watched a, a game. Uh, EPL starts next week. Yes, can't Everton wait. had a pre-season. They started their pre-season with their new manager in Austria against a team called ITV Aberding. <laughs> yeah. They won twenty-two nil. Oh, what? They won. Everton won twenty-two nil, and I'll say this much: they had twenty-one kicked twenty-one goals. And Aberdeen kicked the best own goal I've ever seen. <laughs> Lobbed the keeper from 30 metres. Sounds down. like a score line from an Ashburton <laughs> game, doesn't it, David? Yes. Yep. Uh, okay, quick one. Tony, there's a pick from 1896 of the original goal square from point post to point post and the width of the current square. I have seen that. Yep. The one trial yesterday just pushed back congestion. Keep the current one on. I don't like the goal square's it's idea at all. Nasty. Again, without labouring the point, there's so many things we can do before we start worrying about zones or extended goal squares. One, quicker ball-ups. Calling for quicker ball-ups and then balling it up quicker. It's not rocket surgery, as lots of special comments men have said over the years. That's it, Finey. What a great weekend of footy it was. Uh, big ramifications news-wise with Andrew Gaff, which will be played yep. out shortly. Hurry up. As I've music's going. And as I've always said, the worst game of football is still better than going out with my wife and her friends. Actually, that's a horrible thing to say. Just hang on, very quickly. Why are you wearing glasses? Because I you, need Do them you actually need them? Yeah. Is this a new... Because oh, they're, they're Ray-Bans, aren't they? Yeah, I saw the Ray-Ban thing and I thought these are those wanky designer glasses no, that you no. don't really need. Can no, I try no. them? Okay, hit the music again. That's <laughs> it for this week. As I sign off with Mark Fine's glasses... May your football be good football. And, and good night. Good night. <laughs>